Hello, everyone, and welcome to another American Scouser podcast. I am your host, Timuchin, and this Thursday we have in. It's been a while since we did one together, right? Uh, three of us, but with us yep. with, is first off is Chris. Quit your morning strain. What's going on there? <laughs> How's it going, dude? So we'll definitely get to that whole bitching and moaning concept because <laughs> it was kind of part of David Rice's article, which we're going to get to. And David Rice is also with us from his new joint in Atlanta. And we were just talking about how he's traveling around town, hotel to hotel. What's going on, David? <laughs> Not much. Living this nomad life for a minute here. <laughs> that can be interesting, but I can see it getting old fast as well. Yeah, I'm ready to have a house. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, okay, so we got a lot to cover today. Obviously, we're going to definitely touch up on uh, the Benfica game and the matchup. Uh, we'll probably take a sneak peek at like the semifinal too, but we got a long ways to go for that. Uh, and then I want to touch up on David's article and kind of talk about like this whole April thing as well. And then obviously we'll look ahead to the weekend. But let's start with yesterday. Um, despite some storms and tornado alerts and stuff like that we were able to do our ratings and we kind of touched up on it but i want to talk to you guys about it a lot more uh we put up a totally unexpected lineup we even tweeted out on our twitter account which if you're not following us please do on there as well uh that probably nobody got this lineup right right chris i mean i can't uh, see anybody yeah. saying this is the way to go this this is yeah i've the fact that Jota and Firmino started together. That that's always a shocker for me when I see them both start because in my head I've got them playing in the same position and I forget how sort of versatile um our front our front line is, you know. So uh, and then to see Diaz pop up on the right hand side. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that either. So yeah, that it, it was yeah, all kinds of craziness. This was kind of like, you know, Second round of the Carboy Cup kind of lineup, um, you know. I was like, okay, so he obviously thinks we've got enough, but yeah, I was surprised. And that was the thing, David. Does that lineup make you nervous? I mean, I'm always nervous, even though I was kind of going comfortable into that game. And I hate to say it, I saw that lineup and I was like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know if we're kind of taking it too lightly. What did you think? I didn't. I, I didn't really think so. I, I thought that you know he's going to have a mad one somewhere just because, with the amount of games that we have, he's got to do some rotation. He's got to find spaces for, you know, Salah for Van Dyke for some of these guys to get a rest. This was actually, if you kind of look at how you might plan it out game by game, probably his best option was to do it here, given that we had the three-one lead. If the score isn't that going in, we're looking at a completely different game. Right, like we're looking at a completely different lineup, but because it was what it was, and he felt like at home, all we need is a couple of goals, and probably this thing's done. So I wasn't too surprised. I don't think I saw. I don't think I saw that lineup necessarily. I don't think <laughs> I, <laughs> I definitely didn't see uh, James Milner playing, but it just shows how much he still trusts him at his age. And uh, you know, it's, as long as he's not playing every game, James Milner's still a very capable player. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think either. Uh, saw Gomez either necessarily, but Trent's got to get a break in there too. It pretty much tells you a lot about the weekend's lineup too. So, Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, that was the thing. I mean, it was nice to see that in a way. I, you know, when we were talking on Monday's podcast, we were like, oh, maybe you'll see Costas, maybe you'll see Gomez. But our thinking was, but there's no way in hell you're going to see yeah, all, all of three of them <laughs> change at the same time. And then wait, four of them, like, you know, I can't remember the last time, unless he was hurt, not seeing Van Dyke in there. So that was the first by itself. But well, I, th I think Klopp said after the game, um, I think that lineup, that back four, was put together like twenty minutes before they arrived at the stadium. <laughs> um, so um, it was a makeshift back four. I think maybe it was just a last-minute decision that they were like, okay, maybe let's give Virgil the rest. Um, but I was kind of happy to see Costas. Because uh, I was saying, well, in the Discord, if you haven't joined yet, join the Discord. Um, that 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 guy from a dead ball, his consistency is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he he doesn't have the free kick ability of maybe putting the ball on the top corner like Trent does, but his corners are the most consistent corners I've seen from a footballer in a very very long long time. 
Like he beats that front post every day. I think I've I think I've only ever seen him fail to beat the front post once. You know, and it's just testament those two crosses that went in. You know that yeah. there was someone on the end of them. You know because that's how good they are and that's how consistent he is. So um, yeah, he's he's given Robbo a right run. You know, um, every time he plays, he 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 gives a good showing of himself. You know, but that's good to see because it pushes Robbo on. You know, but uh, yeah, always nervous when Virgil doesn't start. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but hey, we're in the next round. Who cares? And I think that was yeah. the thing. You know, like you don't see you see all these changes, but if Van Dyke is there. I get the sense that, you know, he'll set the line, he'll control, he'll communicate, he'll keep everybody where they should be. And then I'm like, and it almost like assumed he was in the lineup. Then I did a, like a double take, like, wait, Matip and Konad are out there? So where the hell is Van Dijk? He's playing defensive mid or something. And yeah, so that was, I guess, the worry. And it to show, you know, how, you know, we did do the mistakes and probably if Van Dijk is there, we're not considering those three goals. But more importantly, let's talk about this. And by the way, uh, talking about the Discord fan channel, and uh, we kind of like post it every time we post like the image, uh, like an invite. Do join us. Megan actually was the one I think that called it too, in terms of like Costas's corners, and then boom, like he has the freaking misses right afterwards. But yeah, I think the bigger topic that we kind of had like a good discussion on on the Discord fan channel when we were watching the game was regarding the substitutions. Uh, which I'm sure Benfica was like, what the hell? We were we had just gone up to one, and then you see those players start rolling in off the bench. You know, if you're Benfica, you're like, what the hell? What did you think of that, David? I mean, obviously hindsight is 2020, so it's easy to say now. I think that while nobody got injured, everybody got some minutes. It's good, but as you're watching it, what's your thought? Well, I, I thought uh, my first thought was, man, he's really enjoying the five subs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he doesn't get a chance to use it all the time. And it's actually, if you look at the course of the season, we have, part, I think part of the reason we haven't had as many injuries is that in Europe, he's been able to manage everyone's minutes in a much more intelligent way. And that, you know, Mo Salah can get 30 minutes yesterday or, you know, Jota doesn't have to play the whole game. And years past, we didn't have the type of depth that we have now and we didn't have the options to change out as many people. So, you know, you'd have to enforce your defenders. They're going to all play 90 minutes. Whereas yesterday, if he wanted to take somebody out, he could. He could take out the whole midfield if he wanted, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's doing that. And I think it's helping us. It's we've pl He's played it to where he's managing everyone's workload in a different way around that five subs rule. He's definitely, when I saw that yesterday, I just thought, well, get the most of it, Jurgen, while you can, man, because we got plenty <laughs> of games coming. So, yeah, take advantage of it. Do you like that, the risk there, Chris? Like um, Mo come out there, God forbid something happens in a game in, that we had under control at the time. I think in my head, um, the Mo substitution kind of made sense. He's been on a bit of a dry spell. Mm -hmm. We were kind of, you know, in control of that game. It was a chance to bring him on and, and maybe get a goal, get him, get him a bit of, you know, get him up a bit for Saturday, you know. Um, so I can understand the, him coming in. And and he's just one of those players that wants to play in every game, and luckily, um, knocking on wood or whatever we can knock on here, um, he's one of those players that doesn't really, you know, pick up a lot of injuries, you know. So, um, you know, like Mane as well, they're they're hardy players. Um, Wijnaldum was another one. They they just they're there all the time. They're just they just don't they just don't get injured, you know. So. You might as well utilize them, and, and if you want to get a, you know, if you want to get a player up and and get them ready for Saturday, it was the perfect opportunity. You know, the other substitutions, um, yeah. So, like so for being you for Henderson made sense. You know, lock up that midfield a little bit, and uh, and Thiago for Milner. Uh, and in fairness, Milner didn't have the greatest of games. He was kind of he kind of showed his age last night, which was, um, yeah. Um, he made me feel old, you know, and he usually, you know, because he's just a little bit younger than I am and he's still going strong. It's, it makes me feel good. Um, but no, um, you know, there's, yeah, but, uh, you yeah, know, he was, he, he looked a little bit, he just looked a step off the pace last night. Um, but luckily it wasn't too detrimental. 
Yeah, I was talking about that in our ratings video. It reminded me of when I play indoor and <laughs> in this young, there's like two different leagues. Like one of them is a bunch of like young kids, these kids playing freaking college and stuff. So when I play with them, I kind of look like how Milner did yesterday. Like everything is a sub step behind. Sometimes you're slipping and sliding a bit more than everybody else and things like that. You can kind of keep up, but not as much. Um, that was something I actually noticed during the game. There was a lot of slipping. Yes, right. A lot of people mm -hmm. slipping. Um, I think they watered the pitch very heavily, and it did cause a lot of slippage. Um, I think that's something we need to keep an eye on because when you have players like ours, you know, like the likes of Mo Salah, the likes of even Luis Diaz, who like to turn on a on a you know on a dime, you know, those slippery pitches aren't going to be good for those guys, uh, and and it can maybe draw injuries and draw tackles that you know can cause injuries. You know, so I think it's something I know Klopp and. The groundskeepers and they they all work together to make sure that everything's the way they want it, but I think it was just a little bit too wet last night, and it, it was very noticeable. And that was both ways too. As like a defender, you don't yeah. know what, if you're gonna slip too. So you know when you're trying to focus on your traction more, sometimes you're like half a second late, and that's all it takes against these guys. But yeah. so in terms of the risk. I understand. And I, you know, my point was I think we valued more about rhythm than rest. I mean, this team, and we kind of see this after the national breaks, we're kind of like we're just not the same. We're not clicking the same way we are. This team plays more on rhythm as opposed to like kind of like, you know, on too much rest. Like it's not a team that we're like, oh, they have like if this team doesn't play for 10 days, I'm not like, great, we're gonna be rested. I'm more worried that we're gonna yeah, be yeah. a bit more rest and it's gonna take time for rhythm. I mean, do you consider that day when you make those substitutions and say, hey, we need these guys getting regular minutes as opposed to saying, Tiago, why don't you sit this entire game? Yes and no. I mean, if it okay, so if he had brought on Curtis Jones, I'd say yes, right? But it's Tiago he's been playing. It's it, most of these guys are at a point in the season where they're pretty much in the rhythm they're going to be in. Um, I think for me, the big thing is like when you look at it's how you're managing each player's workload, right? So he's look at Matip, for example. It makes sense. Where which game would you rather have Matip play in Saturday or next Tuesday against Man United? Because you can only get one. And he's got to gamble with Matip at some point to get Van Dyke a rest. So I just think that he went, okay, they, if you look at the way they've done the season, Joel hasn't really played, I think, within a three-day span of each other very on very many occasions, maybe once or twice the whole season. But that's how they've kept him on the pitch, is making sure that he's got enough rest days. So, you know, last night he, he goes, Matip, that's a little bit of a gamble, but it pays off. Now Van Dyke's rested, and now you've got – you're probably going to see Kanate on Saturday and Matip on Tuesday. That's my prediction anyways. But when I look at that, it's kind of like it's a risk, but the reward is I get Joel Matip next Tuesday against Man United on a week's rest. So, you know, risk-reward, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it is. It's a lot of – with the games coming in every, like, three days, it is a lot of juggling. And I know Club constantly says – you know, looking at the next game, but it is a little bit of chess going too, where you kind of got to go a couple of steps behind to see, you know, what you might do. I mean, nothing is given. Somebody might get a knock or something like that, but yeah. you almost got to plan the best case scenario and like go about it that way. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're in the semis. Uh, it's kind of was probably not as fun to watch towards the ends uh but what do you make of that chris i mean like you that game ends and what is your feeling you're like we're in the semis done on to the next thing or what do you yeah. what can we take away from that game uh we're in the next round happy days quit your crime sometimes european pictures <laughs> seriously though i mean yeah i was reading it i read david's article just before i come on and at the end of the day there was a whole thing about quit your crime and everything i was like that's yes this is perfect. This is it. Everybody go and read this article. Seriously. Actually, somebody in the U.S. fan group said this should be required reading. Yeah, I never, in my entire time of, like, I, I volunteered on the board of an OLSC, and this is the first time in my entire Liverpool supporting life I've ever told someone, maybe you should find something else to do with your leisure time. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you don't like this, if you're not having a good time, I don't think this is for you. I'll just be I, honest. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's like we're, we're, 
we're on on sort of like the cusp of one of the greatest seasons that any team has ever had. Nobody's done the quadruple ever. City have never done it. United have never done it. The great invincible Arsenal never even come close to it. Um, and we're still in the fight. Yeah, like <laughs> it's crazy. Like we're in the semi-finals of the, the Champions League against a, a Villarreal team that I think a lot of people are underestimating. Because, you know, results prove, you know, and Unai Emery is a knockout king. So hey, I, I think we need to be on our guard for that, but we will win it. Um I, this city game on Saturday, you know, it's another step, you know, one step again to another trophy. And then we you know, again, with everybody else, oh, the, the season's over because we didn't beat City. No, the, we're still in it because City didn't beat us. That's the way to look at it. We're still in the fight. And they drop points against teams like Crystal Palace and stuff the way we used to. Because whatever happens, they go up against a team that, for whatever reason, wants to sit back for 80 minutes and then just bang, catch them at the end. Um I have to disagree with David. I think it'll be reversed. I think it'll be Joel against City and it'll be Canade against United uh, just on size matchups and things like that um, and just how City play compared to how United play. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, hey, quite your morning. So, let me... Okay, David, why do you think that is then? Because is it because... The fans just don't know how to react because obviously nobody has been in the situation. And if you want to win a quadruple, you got to be in the finals of things. If you want to be in the finals of things, you got to be in the semifinals of things. So that's how it goes. And you're not going to play against like a third division team in semifinals where you're going to be like, oh, that's a lock. We got that. I mean, all these games are going to be difficult. Is it just, you know, people do not know how to react because nobody has been here before? Or it's just that people are never freaking happy. <laughs> I guess a little bit of both. I think it also like comes down to like when, how long have you been doing this, right? So like I think for some of us, and I've been a Liverpool supporter for 17 years, I've seen much darker days. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then this isn't my first like, we just do things dramatically. That is who Liverpool is. Like they don't, it's never the easy way. It always has to be super stressful. <laughs> and so like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just sort of like, get on board. The, the most scouse thing you can do is just get behind them and believe that they're going to do it all. And that's kind of, I think like the, the best part of being part of this fan base is we just believe in them to no end. For me, for me though, I think some people, if you're maybe newer to it or some of the, and I hate to, you know, say some people are this but they're out there the glory hunters right and they just sort of like believe everything should be perfect all the time it's like I, i'm gonna get off track here but <laughs> it's like how we people always think that they should always be happy you know what yeah. i mean like yeah you shouldn't always be happy yes man <laughs> like you have to experience all of it right but the, this crowd it's like they can't be happy <laughs> they can only be the I just, I, I, I'm like, it's all. I'm looking at some of them. I'm like, this is psychological. I can't. Well, think, think <laughs> I'm not this is not like my pay scale. <laughs> yeah, think about this though, right? This. No, you you think about it. If if uh, say uh, an American fan is new to the game and they they come into supporting Liverpool around 2014, 2015, 2016, mm -hmm. and. You're, you're basically, when you come into the Jurgen Klopp era and say the last three years, it's it's unprecedented what we've done. Like the numbers that we've hit, the, the amount of, the, the lead that we won the league by, all these things, like they, they've come into perfection. They've come into one of the greatest eras of this club ever. And when they look into the history, they see all these big other eras. So they just assume this is what Liverpool do all the time. Yet, They've no idea that between 1991 and you know 2013, <laughs> it was like, oh my god, they might why do I idea, do this? You know, but they didn't um, live it. That's yeah. the problem. like that exactly. lived experience, you know, like yeah. And I think partially, like it's almost worse. Like if you started in that time that you're saying, Chris, like yeah. you kind of seeing progression, right? They're like, oh, oh, unreal. They got into the Champions League. Oh. 
they're doing it. They made it to the final. They lost. Oh, they won it. So it's almost like if you're new and have not seen the dark times or have not experienced the dark times as much, you're like, okay, now they won two things. Then they're going to win all the four things. It's like, ah, like a crazy scientist. Like, we're going to win everything. You know, it's just like, <laughs> the world will be ours. And I think that's just like, you kind of keep expecting more and more and more and, you know, kind of be kind of like realistic. And I think some of those disappointments do make the wins a lot more enjoyable or that torture session that yeah. I go through on a weekly basis in front of the TV <laughs> does make the win more enjoyable. I mean, I have more fun or I remember, I mean, how many games do you remember aside from maybe the Barcelona game? And even that's like a different scenario where you won like five, one and stuff like that. You don't recall a lot of those games in terms of like your memory lane, but you remember like the last minute goals or stuff yeah. like that. I mean, those goals, those games, you never forget. Or Suarez just scoring nine million goals against Norwich, <laughs> <laughs> all from about forty yards out as well. You know what I mean? I remember uh, there was like an eight nil against Besiktas in the Champions yeah. League one year, and Gerard yeah. scored this like ridiculous goal from a crazy yeah. angle, and I was just like. <laughs> I don't know if they'll ever see. They won by more than a touchdown. That was a FIFA. Hey, somebody from Turkey, trust me, that was, they still put uh, Besiktas, like when you write Besiktas instead of a B, you use an eight. Looks like a B. And that (laughs) all is like for that Liverpool game right there. So that's still like, that's still like a topic. But yeah, I mean, like BJ says, like the Ellison Heather. I mean, uh, you know. Yes. And which is the reason why we are in the semifinal now, by the way, who the hell would guess? Yep. And I can say, I mean, like I said, we remember those games. I just, you know, the emotion, the burst of emotion you get after a final whistle or a last minute goal is totally different than everything else, I think. Um, so Christine says there are bandwagoners and true fans, those that jump on just for the glory moments, and there's us long-suffering ones. Trust me, I'm from New England, the Red Sox, need I say more? This is what makes victory so sweet. And here's the thing, you know, this is something that, you know, Chris knows because he's been with the site for a long time. I mean, this is something like I've fought with the sites ever since we started with American Scouts for a long time. I want to make sure not every new fan is thrown in that bandwagon category either because it's not, you know, there's, I mean, everybody's a new fan at one point, but I think the overall sentiment, I agree when David says, when you don't know the dark one, you can't appreciate the the light as much if you have not seen the dark. I do understand that. I mean, do you agree, Chris, that that's the main reason, basically? It's just the fact that, you know, you don't know any better in a way or you don't know any worse. Here's the thing. I I have absolutely no problem with anybody that is a fan of this football club, Um, whether they started supporting them yesterday or 100 years ago. Um, because that's just the way the club is. That's who we are. We we invite new people in, and the bandwagoners usually show themselves up pretty quickly, and usually get ousted pretty quickly. You know, so um, yeah. I'll tell this. you that that's one of the things I loved about working on an OLSC for years was, you know, yeah, some of these folks are glory hunters, but you yeah. make friends with them and you yeah. turn them into. They're no longer glory hunters. You know what I mean? Like yes. they either come in because it was successful and fun to watch, but then they started making friends and just having fun anyways. Yeah. And that was like what made it so cool is like, yeah, you were attracted to our success, but you stuck around anyways. You exactly. Know? And I think that's the thing, you know, and that's what I appreciate if people like to, you know, you like the club. I mean, we all like the club for one reason or another. I mean, I'm originally from Turkey. I've been a fan since like 84. Yes, I'm that old. But uh, so, you know, you find the reason you like the team and then you learn more and you like it even more, learn even more, you like it even more. And that's kind of like, you know, it kind of like goes into your DNA that way. I just, you know, I also like kind of despise the fans that kind of opposite of what, what you were saying, Chris, in terms of kind of shunning some of the new fans out altogether. Cause somebody, yeah. everybody's a new fan, especially in the U S I mean, yeah. you're going to be a new fan of the sport, leave alone, you know, the league and the club. Yeah. And you know what I'm sitting here thinking? I'm like, I, I use the phrase glory hunters, but don't take any offense to it. Because if you do the math on what I said, 17 years I've been a Liverpool fan. What do you suppose drew me to the club? 
People yeah, got the shots later. So I was like, God damn it, take David. a wild guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of them, you know. <laughs> but I, I mean, my first memory is the final. I mean, that's how I became a fan with those penalty kicks and stuff. I was a kid, and you know, I was like, oh, I really like these guys. You start following them. Like I say, the more you learn, it kind of like grows on you. But I mean, and that's the thing. And I feel like I agree with Chris. I mean. I kind of hold every fan the same. I don't like the fans who think they're entitled to more or they know more because they been to <laughs> Anfield a few more times than you or they live 50 miles away from Anfield or whatever. I really don't care because uh, yeah. that does not measure how big of a fan you are. If anything, I almost feel like people who have kind of like taken the club as their club and supported should get it slightly more credit because, you know... Like, I grew up as a Fenerbahce fan. Uh, that guy behind me right there, my grandfather, is one of their all-time best players. I mean, top 10 players of all time since 1907. It's like an old club. And, I mean, yeah, I'm a big Fenerbahce fan, but I, I don't know if I had a lot of choice <laughs> in that household. <laughs> you know, you were a Fenerbahce fan or you probably lived in a box. So, I mean, whereas, you know, we have chosen Liverpool, and I think that should mean a lot as well. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in that box that I don't have a choice. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's just the way that is. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, here's the thing. The whole thing with, oh, you know, and I know it's, it's, it's kind of a fun thing to call people a wool and stuff if you're not from Liverpool. But um, it, it's kind of funny where people make fun of, um, like, oh, have you ever been to Anfield? If you've never been to Anfield, you're not a real fan. Well, I'll tell you what. You live down the road from Anfield. You get up at like you can get out of bed at like two fifteen <laughs> in the afternoon, have a shower, have your breakfast, and, and walk into the club. So somebody sitting over in Carlsbad in California is up at three thirty in the morning to watch this team. <laughs> tell me they're not a fan. Do you know what I mean? Like, tell me they're not a fan. Um, so it, it, it's and, and I get that, and I get you know there's 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 the hierarchy of of fans and things where. You know, if you're not from Liverpool, you're a wool, and and but I think that's more just that's banter more than anything, and it's it's not really that serious. But um, there there is some people I think like like you said to mention that have taken the club on and and almost sort of become gatekeeperish, maybe because they were maybe they were the first guy in their area that started supporting Liverpool, and all of a sudden there's an official Liverpool supporters club, and they're not the guy anymore, and they're maybe a little bit pissed off. Um, I call dibs. <laughs> I call dibs on Liverpool and the Liverpool Shotgun. fan. You know, so I, hey, I get it. You know, and and hey, whatever, each of their own, do your thing. But it's, it's, it's whatever, man. If if you're supporting the club and you're there, as long as you're not, you know, trying to bring down other fans, and um and talking shit about them, and and you know, trying to tell people you're on a different level and things. You know, um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 we're all on the same level, mate. Uh, there's no, you know, it's, we all take the club into our identity in a different way, I think. And you know yep. what? Some of us are resume checkers, apparently. <laughs> there's a lot, and a lot of, obviously, there's an HR department in that. <laughs> so, Pardo said, I'm not getting the whole message, but I, like, you know, his issue with the Johnny Comlady faction is the intolerance when it's not three points and a battering at every turn. And I think that does come with experience. I think that goes back to what we were talking about. If you haven't seen that other side, you can't appreciate, like, how good this team is. And, you know, I mean, he lists some names like Rush and Douglas and stuff. And, you know, like, I grew up watching those guys. That, you know, when I first became a fan, those were the teams I was watching. And, yeah, it's... Uh, that's we were talking about this on the last podcast. I mean, this is possibly the best I feel like Liverpool team you watch from like top to bottom in terms of quality of like how many of them are world class players. Yeah, look at look at the trophies that those guys won. Now, here, here's the thing: if if people really want to look at, we dominated the league for years. Yes, like dominated the league. Go in and look at the points. Go in and look at the points. We scrape in the league, one. Two, winning it by one and two points, three points, four points. Never in my memory have we dominated with another team like that. Like to the fact where we almost two seasons in a row almost went perfect. That's ridiculous. 
like yeah. ridiculous. And we're like, even, even the likes of Rush, even Rush, Dalglish, and everybody else, that that team never did that. You know, if, so if we went out. We're on what ninety four this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like rare it was... that you have two teams so dominant. You know, like there's yeah. eras where you know, like us or like another club, blah blah. blah. But now yeah. it's odd that there's like two teams. But hey, we've done it in Europe as well. So I want to go back to. Uh, well, this is our the Polish prince. You can tell, even though it doesn't have a name, we all know who this is. Is some of us have the unfortunate luck of being born in a country like Poland and growing up in a country like USA, being forced to watch the likes of the Polish league and MLS. Oh. See, I think the Turkish league is probably better than the Polish league, but we'll probably argue with Mateusz on a different day on that. <laughs> well, let me get to because this kind of like brings me to uh, David Zarek. I mean, if you have not read it, it is. Uh, I literally saw somebody comment that it should be. The quiet reading for everybody in the Liverpool US fan group, which I definitely agree. And one of the things you say over here, and that's like the biggest thing is, and I want to add, like take get Chris's, are you going to be upset if they win three of the four trophies on offer for them this season, including the seventh European Cup, but they don't win the league or even a domestic cup double? My question to you, Chris, is... Yeah. Will you be upset if, let's say, out of these like three trophies we're going for, we just win the domestic double, or we don't win any at all? Or will you still say, hey, only so many teams can go on such a ride? Exactly. You know, it, it, it's, it, I've said it before, this is unprecedented. You know, um, it's one of those things that it just happens. Once in a blue moon, you know, and well, this has never happened actually. So we've never even had that blue moon, you know. Leave that to city fans. Um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, like it's just we are on the edge of greatness, and with the big highs, there's the big lows. And yes, I'll be upset. Yes, uh, uh, you know, whatever. But still. After I've sort of calmed down 30 minutes later, I'll look back at the season and go, that was ridiculous. We were so close to it. Let's go again next year. How about you, but, David? You're the writer. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought uh, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I'd definitely be disappointed if they don't collect one more trophy. You know, if they if all they do is a domestic cup double on the season, but they take us to a Champions League final and, and just give us a title race, like it's better than most years you're ever gonna have. You know what I mean? And my look, my my look at it too is like it's already not a trophyless season, so you've already had a day to celebrate, and yep. it looks like they're good, like they are doing everything that they possibly can to give us at least one more. So it, uh, honestly, if all they won was number seven, <laughs> the rest of it can go to hell. <laughs> 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 Honestly, just give me number seven, and that's that's. I mean, that's, I'm going to paint five more banners just on that number seven. You know what I mean? So, for me, I you know that would make it all worthwhile. The rest of it, I don't care. We can crash out of the league right now, not win another game if we can promise me number seven. But see, I'm the other. Nothing I'm... is promised. It's all. <laughs> yeah, interesting. See, that's interesting that you say that because I I I would think you're in the minority when you say that. It's odd. I mean, yeah. I. I mean, I it's hear the you. best prize in world football. There's nothing like winning the Champions League, that European Cup final feeling. Yeah, but we win the league. <laughs> yeah, but we we win the league and we bring the number back against United. You're, for you're, me, you're that's more wrong. important. You're not wrong, but I, that's I'm more important more, to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. For, I for me, them. it's always been the European Cup that's like got this real. It's where some of my most significant memories as a Liverpool supporter live. Makes sense. You know, so for me, the thing is special. And if you can win it, win it. Yeah. I think the league, too. I mean, I think just because to me, it feels like there's already people saying, oh, we have like an easier way to the final and stuff like that. You know, it's the freaking Champions League. Everybody's a freaking champion of some league that they're there. They're all good teams, but whatever. Let's not get into that. But I feel like the, the winning the league is more of a sign of being good on a consistent basis, being the best in a consistent yeah. basis. I guess that's why I personally prefer the league 
And yeah, that Manchester United thing does not hurt. The hey, look, if they, if they had one on Sunday, I, my answer might have been different. I don't know. <laughs> I, actually, I actually, I actually don't care. Like, if we don't win the league and we win the Champions League, I'll be equally happy. You know. Um, but yeah. if we don't win the Champions League and we win the league, I'll be over the ecstatic moon. and I'll be over the moon. <laughs> if we don't win either and we win the FA Cup, hey, I'll still be happy. We did a domestic cup double. Jurgen, Jurgen gets the full, the full, uh, yeah. the full cabinet. And, uh, exactly, and start, it's the last start, thing they haven't won as a group. Yep, you know, so it's another one off the, off the list. And hey, semi-finals. I, I, I think we're going. We're definitely going to the final of Champions League. I, I, I know I've, I've said that Villarreal have been underestimated than they have been, but I just don't think they have enough for us. Uh, they just about scraped past Bayern, and Bayern were horrible both games. Um, yeah. I, I just don't think they have enough to contain with us. They also have Serge Aurier playing for them, and that man's terrible. Yeah, I did not realize <laughs> he was there when he came off the bench. I was like, hey, man, what's up? Where you been? Uh, Chris Scott <laughs> says, winning the league brings more pain to all those who hate us. Yes, I exactly. Mean, I know hey, well, them watching us celebrate anything brings them pain. They, they yeah. can't stand Yeah, that's true. Watch, so. <laughs> I think, or don't get me wrong, I want four. So as the question right, yeah. I asked you, I think I want I would be disappointed, obviously, if we don't win anything. But I think I'd be disappointed more for this team and this squad because I really feel like this is the best Liverpool I watched in my lifetime. And let's face it, kids, it's a long, a lot of years. Uh, so I really want when, I mean, and we watch different teams over the eras, right? Like, so we kind of live in the moment. But if you're as old as I am, then you go a decade later, <laughs> you can talk in decades and say, you know, you kind of recall that team. And I think I want to be able to, well, first of all, see another decade. And then if I do see that decade, when I look back, I want to be able to have this team have a bunch of trophies that go with their name and not just say, oh, that was a great team. It was the best Liverpool team. You know, when I'm like, you guys think this team is good? You guys should have seen that team with Mo and stuff. And then, you know, but they're like, what did they win, Grandpa? And then, <laughs> and then you know, like, I want to be able to be like, they won this, this, this bunch of times. I just don't want them to, you know, I just don't want this team to go down in history as, you know, oh, they would have won more, but they did not. So I think more than my personal disappointment, I really want the squad to get the trophies they deserve under their name. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I completely no, agree. Absolutely. And, and like I said in my last piece before this, you know, I, for them to do the FA Cup would be big because it's just, to me, it's the last thing they haven't done as a group. It's the only thing left on there for them to conquer. So if they conquer it, they've literally given you every winning experience you can have. <laughs> yeah, point, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, Pardo says the glory. Uh, even the glory year teams weren't this consistently dominant, enjoyed. And he says, like, without City in the mix, this team would be. I mean, yeah, I mean, we would have won one, like three, four in a row. I mean, it would have. There's, a, there's a question, though. If City weren't this good, would we be this good? I, that's, that's a good question. I don't like, know. I think, I think you're right. We, I, think, I think City need us and we need City. They, we, you know. It's one of those things where, you know, in the old rivalry, sort of in the start of the Premier League, for the people that are coming new into the game, in the Premier League, it was it was Manchester United and Arsenal, kind of at the top for a while. It was Manchester United and Chelsea for a while. We fluttered with it a little bit, um, but it, but it was that that they were the sort of big rivalries and they pushed each other. You know, Arsenal wouldn't have been able to do that that season, you know, if they hadn't have been pushed. Um, you know, that comeback season that United did where, you know, Newcastle were 12 points ahead. If Newcastle weren't that good, you know, that was, I think that was the same season with uh, the, the, our game with Newcastle, the 4-4. That was just ridiculous. Um, that was a ridiculous season. Of football. Was really it, was, it was amazing. Um, you know, so you need those, you know, that, that kind of the yin for the yang. And, and we kind of play similar football. It, it, it's funny because... Everybody talks about you know the differences of Klopp and and Guardiola, but we actually do play a, a very similar style of football. Um, we don't play with a traditional striker. We have a, a false nine that drops deep, um, and and just because he plays Phil Foden there, just because he's a midfielder, he's still playing that same kind of role that Bobby does, where he drops deep, yes, cracks the ball and feeds these guys coming in. So it's very similar, and he has Cancelo on the left doing what 
Trent does on the right, and and it's it's all very sort of, you know, his is a bit more sort of tippy tappy, whatever. Ours is a bit more direct, um, but yeah, it's very similar, and and, and it's kind of like that whole comic book thing where the superhero and the hero they're very very similar, but they're very very opposite, and and I think we need that sort of battle, and we need them to push us because if they're not pushing us, if you kind of look at what happened, we were so far ahead in the league. And when it was at the point where we were that far ahead, that's when our heads dropped and we lost the game. You know, and I so think it was, that's what would happen, right? Like maybe yeah. we wouldn't be in these like 93, 94 points. Maybe we would have a huge lead and, you know, the focus would not be there and you would go against a team that's, you know, fighting for relegation or something like that or yeah. wants to beat the champion and stuff like that. And you would drop some points here and there. So maybe in terms of like having the point total, but I think we would still win the title easily. It just would not be the point totals. So yeah. let's get to the first of the trophies and let's talk about this weekend's game right here. So we talked about it earlier in terms of like the lineup. Um, what do you guys expect to see? I know you said Joel back there, uh, but what do you expect in terms of the top three? That was the only thing. Like when I was watching the game and the substitutions started happening in the Benfica game, I got even more freaking confused about what's going to happen this weekend. So, uh, David, what do you see for the front three in this game? Uh, I think he goes back to the, the group that started on Sunday. Uh, Jota, Salah, Mane. Uh, Salah and Mane not starting yesterday. They're guaranteed to start. He might slide in Diaz and do that money in the 10 thing again. Uh, but my gut says, you know, probably because when he brought Jota off early like that, I, I think that he'll probably play on Saturday. So. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with that. I think sort of Jota was brought off to just preserve him a little bit for Saturday. Um, but Bobby's in a bit of goal-scoring form. Um, he hasn't played a lot of football. So he's kind of fresh. He hasn't had, you know, he had a, a little little injury there and a little break for a while. So he's coming back. He, he's starting to hit a stride. Um, I, I would like to see the original three of, of Manny, Bobby, and, and Salah to start the game. Um, but who knows? You just never know. Because Diaz is just so consistent um, since he's come in. Um, he's just threatening all the time. And now you've got sort of Bobby in form. You've got Manny, who's very now getting very comfortable playing through the center uh, and Jota, who's also very versatile and go across. So it's, it's super hard to tell. Um, and honestly, I'll be happy with whoever it is for a change. You know, usually we, we, we've never had that where we've like, Oh, well, what if Bobby's not really fit? Oh, we, maybe they're going to play tacky. He's not really up to it yet. Uh, whatever. But I think um, now I don't care. It's kind of like, Oh, whoever they put up there, I'm going to be happy with. And I also know there's going to be absolute fire sitting on the bench to replace them if they're not hitting form. Speaking of, where is Taki? Like, did we get an offer and put it in his pocket and put him in a freezer somewhere so we can just, like, put him out of the, at the end of the season? I really thought we would see him yesterday, for example. Yeah, I think Diaz coming in and, and just having the impact he had straight away sort of changed, changed a lot of plans. Um, and, and he would take up one of those front spaces. Well, when you add Diaz, that, that, that knocks him down the the pecking order a little bit more. Um, so he's fighting, you know, and you even seen last night, they put Diaz on the right-hand side to start, you know? So it, it was, I think, sort of, as much as I love Taki and he, he's a great little footballer, I just don't think he's at the level that we need him to be. Uh, kind of like Danny Ings, you know, great goal scorer, just isn't quite what we need. Um, and I would say there's a good chance that he'll be, he'll be moved on. See, but, I thought uh, Danny would have been the ideal Bobby replay. I mean, replay if he was healthy. I thought Danny was kind of like a shoe in for this team, plus the finishing ability, almost like what we get a little bit with Jota. Uh, perhaps you don't get exact Bobby, yeah. but you get the finishing of Jota. Yeah, yeah, I think that's Jota is kind of like the upgrade of Danny Ings, um, in my opinion. Um, again, Danny Ings is a great striker. But there's just a few areas he's lacking where, where Jota definitely has the the advantage on him, and um, and I think that's definitely been smart, sort of smart maneuvering by Klopp all around to eventually get around to that one player that he needed in that slot. Um, he thought he had it with Danny Ings, but the 
obviously the injuries put paid to that and he never really again it, it just stopped him from getting to that level we needed you know because we need players to be able to play you know 34 league games a season 35 league games a season in, in sort of the system and the way we play so um players that are susceptible to the injury especially when they they get hit with two acl injuries i've had one of those injuries myself and i know how bad it is it's, it's not fun so um yeah I, I think we're we're definitely in the right direction now with with jota and i've seen a lot of people talking about this nunez kid the darwin kid uh, why i mean I, I get it why would we pay 80 million yes he's 22 years old he might be a good good replacement for bobby um eventually but I, I just think he's a little bit out of our price range I think just for, for that position like, people just like new shiny toys well I'll, I'll, you know we just signed diaz and i think yeah just play with he's that. a more complete <laughs> player. Yeah. hey i wore this shirt for a reason so the fa cup is the place for one more origi moment yes the final moment i'm like this is where it happens we're like nil nil into extra time and a Rigi bags the winner on Saturday. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, I well, saw give me one more in, like, moment. man. I mean, I will miss that dude. He's just he's a character. Uh, I mean, that's part of like the squad. I mean, when I when we talk about, you know, like I say, looking back at like a lot of the memories that this current squad has given you, freaking Origi is in like half of those big moments somehow. Think about it. The Dortmund game, he scored the first goal. The comeback against Dortmund, he scored the mm -hmm. first goal, right? Um, yeah, corner take, against. corner taking. Like, if think about it, one of the greatest moments in the history of this club, corner taking quickly, Origi. The Derby, yeah. ninety plus four. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the Champions League final sealed the deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, the next season he bags a brace against Everton that is unbelievable. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it was it was such ridiculous quality. I was like, he might be the best finisher on the team. Yeah, <laughs> just like <laughs> I remember that ball he brought down that game, like just like this long ball. He just like it almost his looked like he picked it up and brought fantastic. it down with his foot. That he's just like, I, yeah. I actually think Devok has been a, a a sort of a victim of our system mm -hmm. and how we play football. Um, and I think it's just a testament to him and his work rate uh, and his ability to just put the work in there and and. And still force his way in there uh, because he's not, you know, a natural left winger. And a lot of the time he's been brought in on that left berth to replace Mane in, in games. He's he, it's very, very rarely you'll see him through the middle, you know. Um, so, you know, and, and we all know that Origi move caught in on the right, big bending ball into the far corner. Um, that's his yeah. move. Um, but he, he, you know, even when he played for Belgium and stuff, he played through the center. Um, he, he is a striker. That, that's that's who he is. But fair play to him, and, and I hope he does well. I think he'll do very well at um, AC Milan. And uh, yeah, good man. Fair play to him. Yeah. We have to have just like over the summer, just have a podcast with just like a Divac appreciation one. Maybe I'll have yeah. Bickler host it since he is the biggest, <laughs> <laughs> biggest diva guy. We'll have him yes. do those. We'll have a, we'll have an, an Origi farewell. One of my Arriva Darchi. One of my favorite goals he ever scored was that one against Preston North End in the League Cup this year when he just sort of flipped his foot at it, you know, and did <laughs> yes. like a scorpion thing, chipped the keeper. I was like, that's the most divok thing I've ever seen in yep. my life. <laughs> so Sparky Parky says, Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson for midfield. David, do you agree? Is this our basically our big game midfield at the moment now? Yeah, I think it is, but I don't know as you'll see it on Sunday. I'll be really? Honest. What do you expect? Uh, I expect him to slide somebody in there, either Keita or I'm just throwing this out there, but it's possible that he takes a chance on Harvey Elliott at some point. <laughs> and if Dude, I was about to say the same thing, yeah, because he, I think he's got to well, he's got to preserve the three, right? For like they're going to start against United. Now, Fabinho got his rest, Thiago got his rest. I think it might be Hendo's turn. So then it's like, well, who goes with Fabinho and Thiago best? And actually, it might be Harvey Elliott, is, is what I'm thinking. And you, you know, the kid started the, the season so well. Klopp backed him. You know, talked about what a player he is. They've hyped him a lot, and he, he's turned him into a midfielder. So, it's, you know, this might be a great chance for him. But I don't know. You know, it could be Curtis Jones. I, he's, you know, he's known for having a wild one in some of these teams, especially in a cup game. 
But I, I, I'd be really ex- actually interested to see Harvey Elliott make an appearance in this one. Yeah, I think it's a toss-up between Harvey and Keita uh, mm-hmm. in that role. I, I think <clears throat> either Hendo or Tiago. I, I think we'll be surprised to see that that three of, of Tiago, Henderson, Fabinho. But um, possibly. I mean, that is our big game sort of three. Um, I would love to see Harvey Elliott. My only thing is he hasn't really played for a while. Um, he was relegated to the under-23s for a while for his little sort of Instagram indiscretion, I believe. Um, I think that's probably what happened there. I think he probably got punished and he got sent there and told, you know, here's a lesson for you. Um, which means he might come back with a bit of fire, you know. So well, he's also got more be... minutes under his belt. Yeah. Know? So um, uh, I think, yeah. It, again, I, I'm not really that worried either way. The only person that kind of worries me would be Curtis Jones, and the only reason I say that is his. He sometimes he tends to dally on the ball, and City mm-hmm. like us are, are a high pressing team. Um, they like to get in your face and, and steal the ball high up the pitch. And Curtis sometimes dallies a little too much. So um, I think that's why Naby and Harvey are a little more likely. Um, although Curtis... I mean, Naby for- looks good right now. So I Na- Naby, yeah, that. Naby's playing the best he's ever played for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's no reason why he wouldn't he wouldn't get a start. So again, I'm he not really that... I'm not really... Um, <laughs> I'm not really that fussed either way. Um, yeah, you guys are scared me. I just don't trust the against a team like City that's so disciplined. I feel like somebody like similar to Jones, I feel like Elliot would be taking advantage of and will be pulled out of position very easily. And that's probably my biggest fear. And Chris Scott says Fabinho, Thiago, and Keita. I just don't want to see Thiago and Keita out there at the same time because I think it's a huge defensive liability. So I feel like Fab and Hendo have to be out there. If anything. I would have thought, and especially a handle coming out, I almost feel like, you know, saving some legs for the weekend. But if anybody, you know, if Kate is going to come in because of his, like, form, which, I don't know, you guys know, I'm like the, you know, yeah. Matt is not 50. my biggest guy. But um, I just feel like Tiago and Kate together is a recipe for disaster. Similar to the same reason I don't want Elliot out there on a game like this. Number one, like you said, Chris, he hasn't been out there in a long time. And the pace of this game is just I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a couple things at you. One, if you go back to the beginning of the season, what was Kate doing? He was kind of playing Genie's role and he was doing it pretty well. So you know, he's versatile enough that you can kind of balance him with whatever it is you want to do. But here's another factor that's going to be at play on Saturday. Kyle Walker's out, right? Yep. So this is going to change their back line. They're either going to go Zinchenko and push Cancelo over or they're going to put Ake back there. But I, I think they'll probably go with Zinchenko, right? Just for the pace. Yeah. Okay. Then is De Bruyne healthy? Can he play? Yep. If not, that means probably Grealish comes into the team and that changes the way that they play. Like they can't do the same thing with Grealish as they can with KDB. It's going to no. slow. It's going to slow the attack just a bit. And you don't have like that threat from distance quite as much. Like KDB can kill you from anywhere. Whereas Grealish, you know, he, you know, you kind of know what he's going to do. He's going to come at you. He's going to try to get into the box. He's going to try to create things for other players that way. But I just think it changes everything. So, you know, you might be able to do a different midfield because the game isn't going to be like it was Sunday. I think also uh, there's there's the option of possibly Ruben Diaz coming back into the fold, which mm, also gives yeah, gives them right. the option of pushing John Stones to the right back, um, which they've they've done on occasion this season. Um, At your own risk, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it it it. it it's a risk either way. I think it, it's hard. I mean, even playing Zinchenko there, like Zinchenko's a, a left-sided player. Um, the fact is, Cancelo's a right-back playing at left-back. Yeah. You know, it only makes sense to play him at right-back and put Zinchenko at left-back, yeah. you know, um, which changes their dynamic again because they're so used to him sort of, Cancelo sort of comes up into that sort of central defensive midfield position a lot. And then he goes off into that left wing a lot. Um, if he's playing on the right, it, it, it changes that dynamic. He won't be able to cut in as much because he hasn't got the right foot to cut in on. Um, so it, I don't know. It's it, it's yeah, it's going to be very different. I hope KDB doesn't play. He's the one I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't Always. really care. 
I don't really <laughs> yeah. care about Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker's a hit and miss kind of player. Uh, Kyle Walker's always really good for an error, actually. So it might be yeah. good. Yeah, he there, he but. just has. He's pace. just been in form lately. Like I thought he played yeah. really well Sunday. He, so. he just he has pace, and you know if you want to play the likes of a Diaz, you know you don't want them going up against Walker because Walker's going to just run with him. Yeah, you know he doesn't have to tackle him. He just has to run with him. Yeah, and just stop keep him. him in front. Yeah, just keep him there. So um, it's yeah. Walker being out is good. Um, fingers crossed, KDB's out. As much as I like KDB, he's a great player. Seems like a nice guy. Um, just a shame he, he plays for City. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he has years ahead of him. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah be fun. he can he can play against Real Madrid. It's fine. Exactly. Um, says Hendo, Fab, Thiago, and we kind of go back to that. And I agree with this with the the chess match thing, where kind of like what you were saying earlier, Chris, in terms of playing Matip now. And then saving Canada for United, playing Thiago now, saving Keita for the United game because that's coming in three days. And obviously, they don't have Champions League or anything, so they'll be well rested going with us. So let's get some score predictions over here. Um, what do you guys have, Chris? Let's start with you. You're the one that's gonna put me at ease, like you always. Do. <laughs> I, I actually think. Um... You know, looking back at Sunday, um, we were not at our best in any way, shape, or form. And they struggled. Uh, and they struggled to score against us, even the mess we were in. Um, we, we were at about 65% on Sunday. And they were at about 90, 95%. And, uh, and, you know, we got a draw. I think anything above 85% for us, we beat them, no matter what form they're in. Um, I think just... We're at that point now where that we're that cohesive as a team and as a unit, and now that we have that depth, um, and anytime we're playing anything above ninety percent, I don't think any team on the planet can touch us right now. So I'm gonna go because oh, we're second home, four one. Man, you do this every goddamn podcast I bring. <laughs> he just comes over and he's like, "Oh, Tim, don't even worry about it. We're gonna let yeah, you. it's fine. Don't even get up in the morning. We're gonna wake win this." And then I'm like over here, me and Stitcher like circling each other in the freaking living room watching the game. Um, <laughs> I go actually with what Chris Scott is saying: three one, and then Mane opens Salah with a brace. I'm actually going the other way around. I think Mane gets two, Mo gets one. David, what do you have? Uh, we've played them twice this year. It was two, two, both times. I think we'll get another two, but I think that they will, we're going to have a great defensive game. This one, Virgil's going to be fresh. He's just going to put out every single fire and make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. And they'll get a penalty that's what maybe, but I'm going to call you guys before the game starts. Cause that's <laughs> like therapy for me. Yeah. Right. It's going to be two, one to the reds, but it won't even feel like a two, one. It'll feel like a two, nil. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. We, we, you remember? Do you remember the pictures? There used to be the Kolutori picture. There's no, there's no need to be upset. <laughs> we're just gonna, we're gonna change it now, and we're gonna make a Virgil's face. Uh, there's I no will, need to be anxious. I always <laughs> find a reason or a way to be upset. It's just like how I watch games. But it goes back to what you were saying, David. Like what we were talking about earlier. Those wins are a lot more fun than you know kickback ones. I do need the kickback occasionally, so says my doctor. Uh but apart from that, I think you know like I those games where you kind of like on the edge obviously are a lot more exciting. Well, gentlemen, hopefully when we are back on the air on Monday, we'll be in final getting ready to beat up on United. Uh, my brother is already talking shit, so got to shut that one up pretty fast. You would think after the last game he would lay low, but uh, he's trying to make a comeback, I guess. But thanks yeah, to all those. That's my prediction. Hey, one, for that one, one note before we go. <laughs> one, one note before we go. Shoot. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow is actually the uh, which is Friday the fifteenth, um, the thirty third anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster. Uh, so justice for ninety seven. You'll never walk alone. And uh, yeah, so just a little bit of remembrance for tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I'll let you finish off. Actually, like, look, we're looking to do a section on that entire thing where there's like more resources because I know, you know, we were talking about earlier, and that's one of the main things that we try to do with the website and have as many resources as possible for people 
who are looking to learn more about the club and the history and stuff like that. And obviously that's the biggest thing. And that's the thing that they see everywhere. And sometimes I notice fans are afraid to ask because they yeah. feel like they should know. So I think it would be important to have, you know, because there's a lot of like good documentaries and videos and stuff like there that. Is. that. You can learn about books you can read on and stuff. So. Loads of stuff. I actually, the one thing I get asked about the most is this. Is my the Eternal Flame tattoo, which I actually need to get fixed because it still says ninety six. Um, I need to get that fixed. But um, yeah, it's the one thing. People... How does that work? I'm not a tattoo guy, so is that a doable uh, operation? Uh, oh yeah, that's it's it's doable. Yeah, it's fixable. Um, but yeah, it's the way I have it on my arm. So when I'm standing with my arms down, you can see it up my arm, and people come over, and it says JFT ninety six at the bottom, and they always want to ask what that means. You know, so when I explain what it is, they're like, oh. Whoa. And uh, funny enough, actually, there's a there's another podcast called the Sofa King podcast. They actually did a a, a bit on uh, on Hillsborough um, last year, actually on my asking. They're actually a comedy podcast, and they do stuff about murderers and um, and you know miscarriages of justice and stuff like that. And they make light of things and stuff like that. But they they were actually very respectful of uh, of Hillsborough and 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 that and um, you know being that it's a podcast and the way they do things, they have one person to argue. Um, but even the guy arguing was very respectful about it. So, um, if you want to listen to that, that's that's another good sort of little resource as well. And uh, it, there's so many resources out there, there like yeah. you know, uh, all the even just the Wikipedia page. Do you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of information in there. But if you want to do anything, get on the Hillsborough, the Thirty for Thirty on ESPN. Yes, uh, their Hillsborough documentary is the sort of that's the one. Um, so yeah, give that a watch and and learn a bit about the the club history and and what those little flames on the back of your your shirt mean. Sounds good. Thanks again for everybody listening in, chiming in today. Uh, give us a like, a follow, all that good stuff. Especially our YouTube channel if you follow us there and Twitter, where we're finally tweeting more back to the current decade and ages over there as well. So thanks a lot, everybody. See you guys Monday. Yeah,